Igor, you kill the big one, and in a typical rush of English bloodlust, we all kill the rest of them. Yeah. 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 Wait a second. That's not fair. I was once a mighty athlete, and I demand to go out like a man. All right. What about a, a medieval joust? Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Ash. We're in England, my name is Al, and I am stuck doing this part three of the England shows, uh, I don't know. I'm Jamie, what are you in for? Uh, stolen ashtray from the Ritz. You? Towel from the Savoy. <laughs> mm. And I'm Dan, hi yo silverware, away! <laughs> <laughs> hi, and this is Luigi, also known as Merrill. Kids, please just say no to marriage. <laughs> he's, he's not wrong. <laughs> we are wrapping up season six. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Um, here it is. England, show three. We're spending as fast as we can. Season six, episode 26, original air date, May 17th, 1992. Oh, this is my favorite part. <clears throat> the Bundys are cornered by both towns. Upper Uncton wants them dead so they can continue to profit as a tourist trap, while Lower Uncton wants them dead so they can end the curse. Al moves to defend himself and soon finds himself in a medieval joust opposite Igor. Who will emerge triumphant? And will the curse ever be lifted? The fate of all rests in the hands of the lowly shoe salesman from America. Whew. Every time. It's so much longer wow. on, on IMDb. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> we did this a few times, but since I think we skipped the second time, so special guest stars, Bill Adi as Winston, Olin Armstrong as Trevor, Stephen Hartley as Igor, Tony Steedman as Mayor Fivshaw, Kevin Coran as Buck's voice. I don't even know why I read that. <laughs> I gotta learn when to stop. Director Jerry Cohen... Writer Kevin Coran. Wow, uh, Buck wrote this episode. <laughs> Apparently, is that okay? So somebody posted on the uh, Married with Children podcast Facebook group page today. I think it was uh, Stephen, and he said uh, this is the top ten worst episodes according to IMDb rankings for Married with oh. Children, and this was in there. Now, is it just part three? Yes. Really? I would argue that part two was, I think, the weakest of the three, but that's what I was I was gonna say the same thing. I, I I actually think this one's the strongest. I was gonna say the same thing and then I watched this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at these ratings, I mean it's still not bad. It, it's it's number seven out of ten worst, and it's got a seven point two. Isn't that like really good? That's what I'm saying. That 
completely contradicts what you just said previously. Right. So that means for, yeah, for IMDb, that's a high score. Right. Uh, unless unless all the other ones are like eight nines or ten or above. It must be right. Right. That don't make too much sense. And along with, you know, a lot, there were the Buck episodes, there were the spinoff episodes that were in there. This one called Enemies uh, with, okay. with Nicole Eggert that is down the road. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. I, I think with, with ratings in general, too, that's why you have to take a lot of them with a grain of salt, you know? Where was Top of the Heap? That was in there. That should be number one. Should have been number one. Top of the pile. Uh, it, it wasn't. I don't think. Oh, maybe it could have been, but I'm not really sure. I have to reopen that. But we're live, so I can't. Reopen that wound. Top of the poop heap. <laughs> <laughs> Last week on Married with Children, Al and Bud were being hunted by killers from two different towns, each wanting to kill them in their respective villages. Bud was warned by some new friends. You will die in the morning. As if things aren't bad enough, their only hope of rescue is Kelly. Marcy and Jefferson have sought salvation elsewhere. Bad Americans. And for you Buck fans. Would it have killed them to pay an extra dollar so I could eat? And now Married with Children continues. Everyone's excited about the hanging in the town. They're all standing on their whole, the podium with the nooses. Al has no idea uh, as he walks out there. He thinks everyone's cheering for him. They're all saying, kill, not Al. <laughs> and uh, Peg mentions that Al makes three twenty-five an hour for Al wage geeks. So, Are you Al wage geeks yep. out there? Holla. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I actually did a little bit of research on this. Um, the uh, minimum wage in 1992 was 425 an hour in both the state of Illinois and in California where it would have been written. So uh, wow. they were off by a dollar. So he was making below minimum wage, I guess, is the joke, right? But I think you can make that if you work on commission, correct? Yeah, but what commission? Yes. <laughs> right, but, you know, according, you know, in a later episode, they said that if you worked on commission, he'd be starving even worse. <laughs> right. <laughs> 425, yeah, that's what I make an hour. <laughs> Now? Yeah. <laughs> That's great, right? <laughs> Don't you sense there's something wrong here? And I'm not just talking about the ghosts who dance around in my room all night, removing their heads and telling me to get out. I mean, haven't you noticed it's daytime and yet there's no sun? Hmm. Have to go. Sorry, madam. No women allowed. Oh. Well, thank God they don't have that attitude with parrots. <laughs> Sir, I could die a happy man right now. Al Bundy, have you uh, any words for the assembled villagers here? <laughs> they stand next to the nooses and in front of a lynch mob and sense nothing's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that was one of my favorite parts. Like, it's so stupid, but it was just like, it was perfect. They were so oblivious. My people, today I feel... Like the luckiest man on the face of the earth. As you know, I played high school football. I was great. But I know you kids out there would like to be just as great as I was. But beware. There's a killer out there, a temptation. It infests your country the same as mine. It'll eat up your money and your will to live. I know you've heard about it before. But you can't hear about it enough. 
Kids, please just say no to marriage. Uh, then Bud finally turns around and sees the nooses and figures it all out. Uh, then they just start chanting kill right to their faces. And even Winston just gives up and says, oh, I don't want to hear this football crap. Just kill these two. And, you know, one of the things I found interesting, um, <clears throat> they did a repeat joke. So he talks about, he says, I, you know, today I feel like the luckiest man on the face of the earth. You know, that's the obvious reference to Lou Gehrig farewell speech uh, from July 4th, 1939. Um, and Al did that exact same line back in season five, episode four, The Unnatural. The Unnatural. Remember that, guys? One, oh. of, the, one of my favorite episodes. Yep. Yeah, wow. I mean, like, I mean, they did a variation on it. So I just found it interesting that you know they're repeating some cultural references, right? Um, and I think it goes back to some of what we talked about. Is like you know they they didn't spend as much time on the script with this episode than um, you know. Oh God, no! That's why a dog wrote it. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. very evident. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I was reflecting on it a little bit. I mean, two of the things that really point that really stick out about the, these series of episodes. Number one, it was shot with single camera. So, I mean, usually you get single camera on location right. shots. So since this was mostly done on location, you know, it has a very different look than a typical episode. Right. That's a good point, man. That's a, I didn't realize that, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing really is, you know, so now you're going on location. So think about, you know, 1992, you know, you really didn't have like PCs, you know, you probably had like word processors and people are probably even still typing on typewriters for script changes. So, you know, over the course of a production week, you make changes to the script. How are you doing this, you know, effectively on, you know, when you're on location? Like, you know, you don't have as much time to sort of say, let's change it, let's rework, you know, let's say this scene, you know, like, let's say Al's going to trip. <laughs> right. But, you know, like, but think about, like, how you do script rewrites. And I think that's what you're right. seeing. I mean, like, I really thought about this. I'm like, you know, they're probably... Yeah, that's why it's overall weaker. The staff had the wherewithal when they were on when they're in the studio to make changes to the script now with their now that they're on location they can't make these changes as effectively as they would you know in a production studio so right. if, if you're in, if you're on modern family today and you're doing script rewrites i imagine the staff is working is walking around with ipads mm -hmm. right. and the script changes they're seeing them instantaneous as opposed to they were literally probably cutting and pasting back in 1992 you know snippets of the dialogue or even reworking a scene, where like if Al is falling down, um, you know, or Kelly's saying something, like it, it's harder for them to do it on location than they're in the studio. And I think that's probably why the script is not as polished as, as we would. We're used to. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I feel like this is the weaker of the three, because it, at least in the second one, even though I said I felt like the story was treading water, at least in the second one, we did get London. And you know, we and got, got dousting in this one, though. We got places, you know, and we, d I mean, but d really, did we really? <laughs> and what's he doing with his football uniform? Why does he have his football uniform? Yeah, how is <laughs> it there? <laughs> how did he get his helmet through, like, customs? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even come with anything. He had no suitcase. Right. I don't even understand this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Maybe they added FedEx in, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Or it's just like in a cartoon where, you know, whatever you need, just magically, you just pull it from behind your back. Like, suddenly, I have a giant hammer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I think, though, that, I don't know, for me personally, I think that if I were to consider this the weakest one, my biggest problem with with it overall 
are these characters. Like these guys are are so annoying by this point that like I'm I'm just really over it and I can't really fault the episode itself just the fact that they're spread out throughout the three. So this just happens to fall at the end. So I'm just kind of done with them, you know? Um all the Bundy stuff in this episode I loved, but they were the biggest problem I had with it. I was just over it, and I was kind of over with the storyline. I'm like, just get on with it. You know? If you weren't over it, wait till it ends, and you're like, that's the whole thing. You know, ugh. Right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get right. to it. We'll get to it. Okay, so Al gives a speech against marriage, and at this point, I'm sorry, it seemed a little stale. Um, and They didn't drag it out, though, thank God, but... Yeah, but, but, you know, this is another repeat that they did. I mean, this comes from, uh, Alex, your favorite episode with uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. It's uh, what goes around comes around. Remember, he's standing up on the stage and he says, this is your brain. He holds up the egg of his brain yeah. on marriage. It's the same. It's, it's, it's that whole just say no, um, you know, campaign from Nancy Reagan. Right, right. And at that time, it seemed fresh and great and funny. And it was uh, not so much this time. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, they just recite. Like I said, it's it's this recycling of jokes. That's what to me makes it weaker. You know, putting their brains together, they could have come up with something a little funnier and original. But um, I, I just think they were pressed for time, and you know, they wanted to take in the sights, not necessarily work as hard as they normally do. Right. And it was almost like, well, we have to have the Bundys be the Bundys, and they're in, out of their element. So what do they do? Oh, well, Al talks about how he hates women and marriage. Let's have him do that and these things. Uh, but they really didn't do anything with Bud with women, like um, failure in trying to hit on a English babe or anything, you know? Right. Uh, Kelly had a boyfriend, I suppose, she, when she was in the booth. Peg did go shopping. So, you know, they did... <laughs> All the same things that they would do. <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> Dad, I've got a gut feeling they're going to kill us. Trying to talk here, son. <laughs> Kill them! Son, I'm beginning to think you were right. Forsooth, woodsmen! Spare those men! Fear not, Daddy! There's no business like show business! Hi, yo, silverware! Away! Kelly. Pops up out of nowhere. You're supposed to remember in the last episode when she was the one who knew that they were going to be killed. She was searching all over the place at the end of that episode. And I guess she found somehow found Lower Uncton, hides within the crowd, and then somehow gets a horse and this huge trailer with hay on it behind it. Says that she'll save them, goes next to them, and you get these stunt people that jump onto this thing. And then the, the funniest part of the episode, probably, a fake... Peg, who jumps onto the back and gets dragged away. <laughs> Was that not the best visual? Um, so no. good. <laughs> you know, in the scene when the villagers are chasing them, like in the fog, like you can actually see like them laughing. Like, you know, they're, it's not like they're, they're acting <laughs> right. to the sense. It's like, oh, you know, like we're supposed to kill, like have this fierce look. It's like they're almost giggling, you know? <laughs> um, especially the, the female actors in, the, in that scene. Like, if, you, if you look at it, it's like they just think it's funny, like what they're doing. Yeah. You know, and I imagine most of them probably had never seen the show. If now if you're on location in England at that point in time, I don't think the show was in syndication there yet. 
Later on, uh, the, in a similar mob scene, um, <laughs> it was clinically obvious that they were like so proud of their helicopter shot. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like they made it. Like they just kept on that for a solid ten seconds. Like, yep, yeah. we we got a helicopter. We got a chopper. Nowadays, uh, Brian and I will say, "Well, somebody had a drone." Right, right. <laughs> yeah, now you can tell when they have it and they are using it. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, Jamie, it's, it's funny you use that word drone because, you know, uh, the, we said, you know, enough of this football drone. And, I, you know, I was trying to understand the context of it. So I thought it was funny. I looked it up in the dictionary. It says the male of the honeybee and, uh, and other bees stingless and making no honey. So in other words... It's pretty good. Uh, it's a pretty good uh, description of Al, right? <laughs> no, right. <laughs> not making any strong points, <laughs> not producing any kind of content. Yeah, <laughs> just rambling about football. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, then you get this weird effect when they run out of Lower Uncton, like how half of it's black and dark and half of it's lit. It was okay for like a TV sitcom of the early '90s, I guess, right? I, I thought I was watching Lost. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, it was it was all right. Upper Uncton is on one side. Lower Uncton's on the other side. And the Bundys are on the borderline now. It's just like misty. It's foggy in the middle, dark on one side, light on the other. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this, too, about, about this aspect of it, right? Uh, going into this, uh, we're, we're going along and we they set up the rules and... Obviously, they're going to play this out. So to introduce this kind of at the end kind of took a left turn. Um, I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was really out there. And I was like, oh, oh, that's what we're doing now? Because once I saw the dark and the light like that, I was like, okay, wow. Like that sets a pretty, pretty out there tone right there, oh, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, so I appreciated that left turn that they took. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I didn't see it coming. I just thought that, you know, they would they would do different things to try and kill him again, and that's how it would end. It's funny. If this was real, like, don't you think the whole world would have heard about this? Like, <laughs> there's one town in the, in the the on the planet who doesn't get any sun. <laughs> like, they think, like, this is no big deal. Like, oh, it's just, you know, what happened here, and it's been this way for, like, 400 years. It's like, <laughs> no, this would be, like, a phenomenon. Like, everybody on Earth, every scientist would be here trying to figure out what the hell this is. Like, it's just the right. funniest thing. It's like, oh, no, that's just what it is here. It's all. No big deal. It's a tourist. You know, people come here to look at it. Yep. <laughs> uh, don't worry, Al. Whatever happens, I'll be right by your side. The women are free to go. We only want to kill the men. Have a nice life, Al. <laughs> death is less painful than your life. Bye, Daddy. Hey. Come over to our side. Yeah? Your death will be quicker. No! Come to our side. At least we won't eat you afterwards. (laughs) It's an ugly rumor started by people who are jealous. Besides, it's dark over here. We couldn't tell. It's hard to know what we were eating. Why aren't they killing us, Dad? I don't know, son. We must be on the borderline. Right then, I'll settle this. Now then, come over here, or your wife and daughter are through. (laughs) (laughs) You fool. That didn't work with the other Bundys either. All right, 
We'll just wait them out. <laughs> what else did they know? Yeah. <laughs> They're parking up the wrong tree there. Yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah, it didn't work with the other Bundys, huh? <laughs> right? Yeah, no one cares. <laughs> Marcy and Jefferson are in an S&M joint, and they seem to be making friends with everybody in there at this point. Um, I guess it's kind of like like when you leave a nudie bar and then you walk over and like do that side cheek kiss to all your favorite girls that night and say, all right, I'll see you guys later. And like, okay, bye, creep. I guess it's kind of the thing that was. <laughs> like, hey, what's your Instagram, you know? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, you always make friends with people in these types of situations. I don't know how that happens. Al, oh yeah, Jefferson, he's wearing a, a shirt that says, because uh, the place is called the Red Fanny, because um, he's wearing a shirt that says, I was a bad boy at the bad Red boy. Fanny. And someone cites that this makes little sense in England, because in British English, Fanny refers to the female genitalia. That is correct. Right. Not one's bottom. I guess what, if it was called the Pink Fanny, the guy would be okay with this name of this place? <laughs> well, I get because I think the shirt is supposed to be alluding to spanking, you know, because he was a bad boy, so now he has a red fanny. Yeah. So either way, that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. So. But <laughs> all the more reason why you need an English to English dictionary. Yeah, see, exactly. Maybe Dan's right. Kelly's not as dumb as she lets on. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also thought it was funny. The uh, you know they said they want to go to the place across the street it's called the Whip Puppy. Uh, not that I'm in test and I might have to look this one up. I'm like, so it says ashamed, embarrassed, or unhappy because you've been defeated or punished. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess that that you know that make that completes the joke for me. <laughs> right. right yeah. exactly. Thank you. <laughs> it was really nice meeting you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for such a good time. Now, you really must come to America and experience our theater. <laughs> Jefferson, come on. I'm sick of the theater, Marcy. Let's go get something to eat. There's a nice place across the street, the Whip Puppy. Mmm, sounds good to me. Now, listen, I have wired my mother for money, but this was the only address I had to give her, so I guess we'll just have to sit and wait. But that could take hours. What are we going to do in the meantime? Bad Americans? Bad Americans. <laughs> Al wants to die with Bud. Dad, I just want to say it was brave of you to say, take me and let the boy go free. I didn't say that, son. Don't you think it would be a good time to do it? Why would I say that? What better way to die than with my only son? Well, I mean, if you go back to the Christmas episode, remember how, like, Al wanted to live? Yeah, because you don't want them to be happy without him. <laughs> right. So I, I guess it's like, you know, he's like, maybe Bud will be happy without me, so I might as well go with me. Can't let that happen. <laughs> I love you, Dad. <laughs> yeah, right. But I feel this is the right time for a final father-son chat. Great. Much better than my dream of dying in the saddle. <laughs> Don't make me push you off the borderline. <laughs> I won't be able to die in peace until I've been able to pass down the accumulated wisdom of my lifetime. So listen, son, and listen good. 
Ah, never mind. He really delivered. Ed O'Neill, the way he delivered that, it seemed really genuine. Yeah. I agree. It's funny that it's like, well, what wisdom do you have? Look at the shape your life is in. But you really – it seemed heartfelt when he said that. So he's his comedic delivery is just always spot on. I think that's probably a testament to how lazy the writers were with this episode. They're like, yeah, whatever. Just, just make him feel like not talking. Because <laughs> right. we don't have anything good for him to say. He's already downed marriage. <laughs> exactly. Get him out of here. Yeah, but, you know, but that's where you have to give credit to the actors. You know, I mean, I, I talk a lot about the writing and I really appreciate the jokes. But, you know, now the, the actor and actress actually bring those characters to life. You know, I mean, so to have Ed O'Neill be up there and, you know, and almost like get you ready for something. It's like, oh, my God, he's going to say something so profound. And then, you know, boom. I mean, the joke is to drop it. It's like, oh, never mind. You know, but. I mean, the way he delivers it is what makes it funny. Right. Right. I really left. I, I might have did an out loud chuckle right there. And that's more than a lot of this episode got out of me. Oh, we're getting nowhere. Let's just beat them with clubs and see which side they collapse on. Oh, no, 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 no. What if one of them fell your side and one of them fell our side? Eh? Be in a fine pickle then, wouldn't we? Look, I'm sure we could work out something mutually beneficial. Oh, right. We have them killed on your side, and you promise to share. But you won't, will you? You can't trust a light dweller. No people. Some people. <laughs> Maybe we're taking rather a narrow view of this. Maybe we should be looking at it from the point of view of true entrepreneurs, right? I mean, look, it's the grave of the Bundy whose death ended a 400-year-old curse. Huh? It's got to be worth a little bit, hasn't it? Custard sales. Right. Huh? Banners. <laughs> My dad saw Al Bundy killed and all I got was this lousy T-shirt T-shirt. <laughs> I love it. Partners. Partners. <laughs> Peace has been found after all these years. <laughs> Kill him. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Wait, guys, before you shoot, I just want to say one thing. The blonde over there is a boy. <laughs> It's not that dark over here, lad. <laughs> that was actually one of my favorite jokes because the guy's like, it's not that dark over here. <laughs> right. yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. Right? Not in that miniskirt, boy. Sorry. <laughs> well, uh, excuse me. While we're all in such a jovial mood, may I offer just a, a little suggestion? See, I, I think a great idea would be pretending to have killed the last Bundy. Yes, well, I'm, I'm sure something could be worked out. <clears throat> I mean, we're not barbarians. Like, why would that be an option? And the one guy, and this supports my theory I said about Upper Uncton. The guy says, well, you know, whatever. We're not barbarians. You know, we're not the French. You know, another French jab. Three episodes in a row now, right? So they really aren't the killers. They just wanted to kill the last one in Upper just so this whole curse doesn't end. But Lower Uncton's been killing them for years, I guess. So Uncton has never actually killed anyone, obviously. The, the whole premise of this is that they have to be killed in Lower Uncton in order for the sunlight to be come back, right? I mean, so, I mean, this is where the plot line to this day still doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, all right, you know, we're going to have this joust in Upper Uncton where there's light, but would the people really from Lower Uncton want to see him die? Because if he dies in Upper Uncton, according to the logic, they remain in darkness forever. 
You know, yeah, I, mean, I was trying to work out in my head how exactly they could both benefit from uh, from teaming up. And they just can't, you know, except for the whole, you know, selling T-shirts thing, I guess. Right. I mean, they, they wanted to have like a bloopers reel, but, you know, like they said, you know, bloopers and the T-shirts and custard sales. But it, and the grave sighting, we we'll go visit the grave of the man, you know, the last Bundy killed or something. Yeah, but but I said that that to me is the biggest plot hole in this. It just it doesn't make any logical sense. I mean, again, you know, it's a funny scene, but you know, if you just even for this episode, and we know that they just don't follow continuity, but even in, within continuity of this arc, of the story arc, makes no sense. Right? You sacrificed other continuity to give us this continuity, and this continuity has no continuity. Like exactly, I don't even know this whole entire premise falls completely apart. This whole episode starting here. <laughs> Think about it. This the whole premise completely falls underneath our feet. <laughs> starting with this conversation, and it gets worse as we get to the end of this episode. Right. I right. just am dumbfounded with this whole. What the hell are we watching here? If we could interview and talk to the creators, would, like, and we had like ten questions, would would this be <laughs> in in that top ten? because oh, yeah. there's so many that, like, I, I just think every episode, I'm like, I would totally ask them this. But I think that out of anything, this that would probably have to be addressed. <laughs> oh God, yes. And I'm sure they'd be like, Yeah, dude, I don't know. Oh yeah, they would. Yeah, they'd say, Well, listen. By the time we showed all the sights of London and all this, we had to wrap this thing up and, yeah. I'll bet you that we're right, though. We're exactly right in terms of the tone and them just wanting to hightail out of there at this point. <laughs> I mean, it also makes you wonder, like, maybe, like, again, they, they probably drafted the script, obviously, when they were in, right. they were in Los Angeles. Like, right. if Kevin Coran wrote something different, did maybe the premise change? And mm-hmm. when they went to the third script, who's a completely different writer than the other two episodes, right? You know, maybe had that premise changed, and like they just didn't have time or got lazy with you know, right. working on that continuity. You know, possibility. Yep. Or I mean, if there are always difficulties when you're shooting on location. Maybe there was something else they wanted to do, but they couldn't do it. Right. Right. And maybe there were some limitations that came up. Um, I mean, it could be anything. Yeah. Look at Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, uh, don't don't oh stop maybe they couldn't travel anywhere because they unhitched their horses so, yeah. <laughs> i mean hey they couldn't do cgi i mean like you're right i mean there's lots of things you could do today that they really couldn't do back then so you know, right that, that may explain some of this so here we go guys ellen l fogel then stacy lip now kevin coran so I don't know if they all sat in a room together and said, we'll each detail each episode, but the whole, you know, they have a backbone storyline that they all cooked up. I don't know, but <clears throat> maybe they did like a pass the match thing, you know, where you, you light a match and you start a story. And then when the match right. burns out, you pass it on to the next person. And they, yeah. <laughs> like, well, would you guys be like shocked if like they were actually really proud of these and that they're exactly what they were intended to be in the first place? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to make sure. I'd be shocked. Thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying they're terrible. I would just be shocked that this is exactly what they wanted. Right. Well, I demand vengeance. Seamus McBundy insulted my great-great-great-grandmother, and I want revenge. 
Yeah, I bought you an orange Julius in London, buddy. What? Why that means anything, I don't know either. Like, someone that you would never know from 400 years ago. And, Luigi, you said it. What is it really again? 349 or something? 339, I think it was. Yeah, 339 years ago, insulted my ancestor. Like, so what? Well, first of all, it would have been a lot more grapes. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. right. That's a brilliant idea. Okay, Igor, you kill the big one. And in a typical rush of English bloodlust, we all kill the rest of them. Yeah! Wait a second. That's not fair. I was once a mighty athlete, and I demand to go out like a man. All right. What about a a medieval joust? Just think of the promotional possibilities. Hmm? (laughs) Buttons, fanny packs, videotapes for the spectators. Before you kill him, try and do something funny with him. (laughs) Then we can sell a separate wacky blooper reel. Oh, I'll do it. I love those. (laughs) Medieval joust it is, then. (laughs) <laughs> they will fight to the death in Upper Uncton. Why Upper Uncton? Well, we could hardly film over in your village now, could we? <laughs> Was that another dark crack? Let's not get testy. We've got a man to kill. Al, I'm afraid. Don't worry, babe. This Igor don't look too tough to me. It's not him I'm worried about. They're going to be filming, and I left my bright sun makeup in the castle. And you guys thought you were cursed. (laughs) So Igor, you know, shows off his amazing skill by clumsily whipping around this big sword and then cutting the head off a armor statue to scare Bud. (laughs) Which to me looked like an accident. <laughs> I swear it did. It was the look on his face was almost like, oh, it's like, whoa, <laughs> look what I just did. Right. <laughs> so bad to the bone kicks in as Al puts on his Polkai uniform. Come on, Al. It's time to go. What could that man be doing in there? I think he's getting into his battle gear. Let's joust. The music stops, oddly enough, for a second, and then he goes, let's joust. Let's joust. Which he doesn't do, so that was... Do it all. (laughs) Weird. Uh, I guess it sounds better than, let's run around with a football. (laughs) <laughs> well, I guess this is Al's version of jousting. He's probably never seen a joust before, so he's like, "Hey, if you want to joust, I'm going to be a man and put on my football uniform and you know take the field, right?" Yeah. <laughs> and if jousting isn't cartoon enough, uh, he literally takes off his shoe. <laughs> it's, a, it's the most Bugs Bunny, yeah. whatever you know, Peppy Le Pew thing to do. Dude, at this point, I didn't care. I was glad that it was sort of something with married with children going on right i didn't even care right so but you know but you know what i found interesting like in in that whole scene it's like so bud technically has to die as well 
you know, again, continuity. Right. Like if, like if Al dies, that means that Bud's the last one and they got to <laughs> kill him. Nobody's guarding him. Like you, you would think like, OK, you know, I'm going to make sure that he can't run away because otherwise we have to go find him and kill him as well. Right. But, you know, they just sort of left him there. You know, again, another plot hole. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I thought it would—you know—it would have been funny, like to almost to see him like in a cage to say, it's "Like we'll kill your father first, and then you know you're next or something." Right. The only glimpse you get of that he's going to die at all is how Kelly keeps looking at him, like "You're next," you know. Yep. That's it. Right. He's like, "How's he doing? Great. <laughs> How's he doing? Great." He's like, "Oh, I thought you were talking about Igor." <laughs> like, Al, uh, honey, before your death—I <laughs> mean, uh, certain victory. <laughs> There's really something that I must say to you. What is it, babe? Do you have our return tickets? <laughs> you know, just in case you lose them during your uh, victory dance. <laughs> Don't worry about me, babe. I played high school football. Besides, if I should die, it will comfort me greatly to know you'll be stuck here for life. <laughs> she is so peg, man. That's totally peg. Uh, she just wants to make sure she could get home after Al gets killed. And uh, I would say Peg had the least prominent role out of the four in this episode, wouldn't you? Yeah, but yeah, I think they, I don't know, man. It's all, it's all a little off here. I don't know. I can't really pinpoint. All I know is that something is amiss. It's like, it just doesn't have this, this thing that it normally has. I don't know. Well, it feels to me like they got to the end and they didn't really have anything to do. They're like, we got to, we have to wrap this up, yeah. and that also goes for Marcy and Jefferson. You know, because right. we left them and they were at the club, and the next time we see them, they're still at the club, but they seem to be having a good time. Nothing, nothing happens. Like right. nothing. We, right. it, they don't do anything, and then he's like, I want to go, and then she says, Well, we have to wait on money from my mom, so that's resolved. And then the next time we see right. them, they're at the airport. So. Right. It's it. There was like it, I don't know. It's like they handed it off to Kurt to to Kevin Curran, and he's like, uh, ruff, ruff, the end. <laughs> Marcy's mother with the with the runny eye and the wadded up things of Kleenex right. was sending money. <laughs> that's a that's a reference <laughs> that nobody will get, but. You, it would have at least been nice to see like Jefferson hogtied and hanging from fish hooks or something from the ceiling or whatever. You know, something. <laughs> yeah, they'd really be nice, man. You know, <laughs> some Hellraiser, you know, action going on here. Like something would have been nice. Except maybe even being spanked. I'd like to see him get spanked. Just something, <laughs> not walking away no, from it. Exactly. You know, just he's just walking away. Like what a wasted use of this set with this S&M club. I, I, well, well, he was a whipped puppy, right? I guess. Or at least see Jesse from Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 walk past the screen or something. I don't know. <laughs> something would have been better than that. He's inside me! <laughs> he wants to get inside of me. <laughs> yeah, but I'll, I'll say this, though. Uh, at least Jefferson went in the club. Steve would have never set foot in it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what Steve's into, really, except for those booths. <laughs> so. <laughs> Wish me luck, kids. What good would it do? Pumpkin, what do you have to say? Daddy's dying. <laughs> well, that's comforting. Let the tournament commence.
schedule Igor Penance, did you I saw Al Bundy die? Did you know one for the lady wife? There you go. Couple for the kiddies. Lovely smashing. That's it. They're selling. Okay, and that, I use that loosely. They're they have Al Bundy. I saw Al Bundy die T-shirts. <laughs> If you notice, if you look closely or barely close, they're giving them away. Like, no one's giving this guy money, this guy uh, Winston. He's just handing them out to the crowd. Wasn't that the entire point of why he he can't die in Lower Uncton? Wasn't this whole thing my father's T-shirt consignment and this is all to make money and sell penance and everything? Well... If that's the main focus of everything in this episode, another plot point that falls beneath our feet. They're giving them away to the crowd. Is Where's the profit here? <laughs> like, I know it sounds like I'm being picky, but the reason I am, it's because I'm so blown away by how the entire premise goes nowhere. Well, and the whole setup is they're, they're trying to get revenue from tourism. That's how they make their money from the town. And then you're right. They're just giving away their T-shirts to their fellow <laughs> Upton <laughs> residents. Like what? I don't even – I don't know what to make of any of this. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it's very stupid. Yeah, that's why I'm being nitpicky with that little scene because it's like, well, does anything matter anymore or, or what? What are we doing? So, and then we find out later that nothing. maybe the joke, maybe the joke is just on us. <laughs> maybe. Right. Exactly. Why are you idiots looking so close to this? <laughs> <laughs> well, we do podcasts three times as long as the episodes. That should be right there. <laughs> what you're in for. So. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble. I, I, I like the uh, reference to um, the WWE um, announcer um, for a "Let's Get Ready to Rumble." So crazy! Oh. He gets up there, and you know, and uh, <laughs> it sounds funny coming out of with an English accent. Right, Michael Buffer. Michael Buffer. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. I wonder. Wait, how come that guy wasn't sued for that? Right? Did this guy? I was just about to say that. Um... He was really lucky he didn't get sued because Michael Buffer is extremely litigious when it comes to. Oh really? Oh yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. You can. That's why you'll hear now. You'll hear in movies and TV shows and stuff variations of that. Yeah. You know, it's you know, and it sounds like they're going to go for it, and then they change it at the end, or they do something. It's a slight variant. It's because he will sue you. Mm-hmm. Did he coin that catchphrase? Like, is that? He he, had, he coined it in 1984. No, he de- it says he developed it. Yeah, unless they paid him royalties, which is very possible. Right? Yeah, they yeah. That's the deal, I guess. If you do it, you gotta pay. Well, maybe that's true, though. Still- I guess they could have had an arrangement with him because yeah. But if you uh, just use it without permission, and he will sue you, he will go after you. Let's get ready to rumble! Whoa, 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 oh, okay. now hey, we're sued. come at me! Oh, come at me! Jesus Christ! Oh boy. <laughs> There goes all of our Patreon money. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Uh, what, what, what's welcome. that, uh, uh, Alex? Like five dollars twenty cents? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're gonna garnish my wages. They're gonna take two fifty a week. 
We're going to have to have like three guests on our shows at a time just to pay this back. <laughs> Holy crap. So I love Al's name on the show. Uh, <laughs> Al Stinkfoot Bundy. <laughs> like, he, are those pale legs or what, man? Ed O'Neill does not go to the beach ever, I think. Welcome to the thumping in Upper Unkin. <laughs> On my left, five-timed all-European undefeated jousting champion going by the name of Igor the Truth Deathshire. <laughs> and on my right, from the windy city of Chicago, USA, Al... Stinkfoot Bundy. When I say begin, begin, begin. Al is on foot, like I said, getting chased around by Igor on a horse with a, a lance and Normally, I don't know if anybody knows what jousting is. You all should. It's just two guys on a horse. They charge into each other with lances. And they usually either try to stick that thing in their faces or chest or whatever, and they try to block it with their shield. And one guy usually goes down, and that's that. So this is, I don't know what this is. Al is just being chased around. Like, it would be cool if he at least threw the football at Igor, right? I guess he's never been to medieval times or to the Renaissance Festival. Lucky him. Hasn't he seen the cable guy? Oh, yeah. yeah. Remember that? Yeah, No turkey leg for him. Uh, Medieval times is so boring. Is it? Oh, yeah, dude. I'm more interested in what I'm eating than what I'm watching. (laughs) Go back to England, Igor. Al knocks the horse over with a shoe he took off his foot. (laughs) Wow. Igor has that, like, stick with the ball with spikes on it. He's, like, swinging it at Al. Al has no weapon at all, just a crappy shield that says kill Al Bundy on it. (laughs) Did it have a chain or was it just a stick with a ball? Just the stick, I think, with the ball. Stick, ball, okay, that's a mace. If it had a chain, then it's a flail. Okay. Al gets knocked out. I can't look. How's he doing? He's doing great. (laughs) What do you mean Dad's doing great? Dad? I thought you meant Igor. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you meant Igor. (laughs) Then he gets up. And he acts like he's get, he's collecting himself. He's, all right, all right, uh, you know, let's rock. And then one more punch, and he goes flying. <laughs> he is bedheld again. <laughs> Next time you play a man's game, wear a man's uniform. <laughs> and the next time you insult an American, make sure he didn't play high school football. Al delivers this weak as hell kick to Igor's crotch 
which cartoonishly makes him just drop the mace on the ground. Then Al just punches him. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I didn't know, too, that a prerequisite for playing uh, high school football was to kick people swift in the nuts. Yeah, he says, make sure the guy didn't play high school football. Is that what they do in football? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I was like, ah, I don't remember that. <laughs> Ever happening once. <laughs> and, and is that to imply that, that they played dirty? And then if that's if that's the case, then shouldn't, like, doesn't Al always pride himself on, like, you know, with the stats thing and everything? Like, no, I really did it and stuff like that. But I'm going to kick somebody in the nuts. <laughs> like, what? Well, it's only cheating if you get caught. (laughs) The other interesting thing for the uh, Married with Children Research Group, they pointed out, was that uh, the numbers on Al's Al's jersey changes from 33 to 27 and back to 33. So they don't even have continuity within the scene. You know, I could be wrong, but I actually watched that whole scene over. I, I did jump around, but I feel like I watched every frame of him. And I didn't see that ever. Um, in the long shots, and the close shots, in the beginning, and, the, and anything. Did you guys notice that? Well, it was unbelievable enough that they, like we said earlier, got one shirt over there. So two is out of the question. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't see that. And uh, I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. I mean, if the research team knows it, then I also saw it on the internet so I guess it's true (laughs) right but I did look and I didn't notice it I don't know (laughs) I shouldn't have probably skipped around so (laughs) at this point when Al kicks him this thing drops he gets up and he punches him and then they just kind of have this shot like this side shot of Al standing there and I guess he won it's so anticlimactic. Right. You could right. just sense, even with this audience laugh thing that they got going on, you could just sense the lack of energy and fun in the room or something, or the lack of something. There's something... It almost feels forced, and it almost feels like they, they're they running out of ideas or something. Yes. Um, and, and the other thing is, remember, like we said, this is a single camera episode. So, mm-hmm. you know, in order to do that, I mean, the way I understand it, when you film a normal television show, three camera, you do two takes. Like, in other words, you know, you run through the script twice and then they splice it together to the best scenes, best scenes from both takes. Right. In a single camera, you're only probably doing it once. I mean, well, you could be doing it, like, say, a couple of times, but I think that the, the, the dynamic and the energy are very different. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, between the two. So, you know, yeah, I, I agree. It, it just fizzles. I mean, this is supposed to be his triumph, his triumph right here. <laughs> and it's like, it's not as grandiose as, you know, and some of the other ones that we've seen that it, when they're done in the studio. Right. Right. And also the other issue here, which is another problem with this episode, one of the reasons there's no energy here, it's because of this crowd amongst them like the people there are like bummed out about this like no one's even cheering or no one's excitable nothing right. there's like no energy even amongst what we're watching right so that takes away from this too 
I think with the studio audience thing too, when they do jokes and they get to play off the audience and see their reactions to certain jokes or whatever, they don't have that here, obviously. All of that's stripped. Right. And and this is put in post, right? So that's probably why we hear too the reactions the way they are, because it's probably not the same for the audience either, because not necessarily everything would be working or flowing as it would if it were to be live in front of them. Or, or at least, like I said, as the actors, like, they, they know what's working or not. So they know, you know what I mean? Like, they know what to kind of play up and what doesn't work and let's pull that back. But with this, they're just like, ah. Uh. Well, I'm glad you said that. I have a great example here. So I think one of the reasons the energy is sucked out of the room is because it wasn't our guest in the first episode. Because, Dan, you said, like, it seems like an audience is watching it. Mm-hmm. And they're obviously not. So right. our guess was that they they played this as if it was like they're in a movie theater for for a real live audience. And they said, so listen, guys, this is how we're doing this. Yes. It's on location. Just just react as if you would if these guys were here right now. And, and your reactions are going to be in the show. So blah, blah, blah. And everybody knew to just go with that vibe, right? Is that what you don't think happened? I, I do. I still think it happened because... The laughs are very tailored to what's happening here. Right, right, okay, yep. That'd be an amazing guy with a canned lamp <laughs> if, if that's not the case. Exactly, yeah. right, right, right. So I think the problem is this. There is a different energy that takes place when you're an audience member and Al Bundy is 40 feet in front of you. Right. And Kelly's right over there and Peg's right off to your right and Bud's over there and bucks on the stairs and this is happening and your reactions are vastly different than if you're watching it on a projection screen because I remember like I listen to comedy CDs of some of my favorite guys and stuff I remember I went to an Artie Lang comedy show and I was like probably the second table out and my laugh because I like secretly recorded his (laughs) whole thing my oh, no. my laughing is so annoying on this recording. I laugh at everything when the guy is right in front of me. And right. I don't know why. There's like there's a different like you want to laugh to show your approval to support your person or whatever it is. Right. There's a subconscious thing that you want to laugh more or you just do. Mm-hmm. Compared to if you're just watching a, t- a movie or a TV show. Right. Right. I think that translation of that's how you approve or clap, that's how people show whatever to the right. actors, or, that's not there. That that little bit of energy, that, dis, that, that difference between those two ways of viewing something is lost here. I know, exa- I know exactly what you mean. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and further, Alex, to what you just said, I mean, it's not just the audience. It's also the other, the supporting cast members. Right. If you think about it, they're on like effectively a football field, right? Yep. And you know you have like you know Winston and Socrates up on the on the podium. You have <laughs> Hal like on, on the track, and then you have the rest of the spectators further back. I mean, like like Dan said, it's like a helicopter shot. Right, so, right. You need right. to do so. You have to coordinate all of that. They're not going to hear. It's not like Al Bundy is mic'd up, right. you know, on speakers and they can hear what he's saying. No, they're just like, standing right. there. Somebody, right. somebody right. has to direct and say, "You need to laugh at this." Cheer point. now, right? Right, and where and pro- and it seems like that was all lacking yeah well now we get to where this entire thing falls apart well this is a fine how do you do 
What do we do now? Well, I suppose we'll just have to uh, flip a coin to see which side we kill him on. Look! <laughs> it's the sun! It's coming out over Lower Huntington. The curse must have been lifted when Bundy defeated Igor. Hooray for Al Bundy! Yeah! yeah! Oh, yeah! So somehow, this curse is lifted because Al defeated Igor. Why would that mean anything? What? It makes no sense. That is nowhere in the lore that has been presented to us up to this point. <laughs> right. I'm just, I'm speechless. So if you guys have something to say about this. Yeah, I, but you, you know, I mean, like, if, if you if you even take that and, you know, and accept that portion of it, you would think now, hey, he's defeated Igor. Isn't the curse also listed, lifted for Al and Bud? Like, in other words, can Al now, like, actually have a life? You know, can he not be a shoe salesman? Can he not be a loser? Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, but, you know, and like, and the fat customers and, you know, and, right. and the stinky feet. Wow. All of that continues. I didn't think of that. You're absolutely right. Wow. Wow, man. Again, we wouldn't have a show, but, you know, you know, listen to the curse, <laughs> right? <laughs> and here's another thing to add to what I was saying before and what Luigi was saying. The people around, they're not even cheering for this. They're not even excited for that. Right. Like, what the hell are we watching? Right. Isn't this the part where all you guys are supposed to be so happy? Because, hey, the thing we've been trying to do and killing people for 300 years for and that we paid, sold farms for and gave thousands of $40,000 to get them here, all this... Allegedly cr- eating people. Right. <laughs> all this... This happened. It's done. What is your reaction? You're still unhappy. Right. I'm just like, ugh. Well, and also the reaction after it works, right, is to still kill them. Now, it's to still kill them not for the reason that they're going to get away and tell somebody about it because that would be the natural reaction. But no, it's for something completely different. Like, eh, let's do it anyways. Especially because he says right before, too, he's like, well, we don't have to kill him. He's like, we're not barbarians or savages. I forget the right. line. Yeah, that's what it was. It's like, but let's kill him anyways after the fact. Like, what? Yeah, what? I, I had an image of soccer hooligans right there. Yeah. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, well, he he calls attention to the English bloodlust. <laughs> yeah, right. but nah. They've just been killing people for centuries, so. <laughs> but that was just comedic. Uh, that was just nothing but comedy. I even, I even, that's fine. That Let's kill him anyway, just for being annoying. You know, that's, that's just comedy. That's not your premise. It's not plot points. That's not why we're sitting here for three episodes. You know, like, I'm sorry. It just doesn't work. Well, it's bad. Because I didn't realize that um, all my watches until this one where I was taking notes. (laughs) I haven't seen this reaction since Top of the Heap. (laughs) (laughs) Well, also, too, you know, when when this happened, right, this big moment happened where, uh, you know, he defeated Igor. (laughs) Mm. I was like, wait a minute, because, like, uh, I'm trying to follow what the hell is going on with this actual plot. And in what 
kind of what playground they're trying to play in. What parameters did they set up for this thing that this the setup, right? So I'm trying to follow it along. So I went back and I was like, did I miss something within the rules that if he beat Igor? And then now I'm even more angry because no, that wasn't alluded no. to whatsoever. <laughs> so I was even more mad. I was like, they didn't even set that up. I was like, what is going on here? I was like, wrap it up, wrap this season up, and let's go to the next. Uh, you might not say <laughs> no, that once you, you get there. You don't want to go to the next one, Ben. We don't want to go home. We want to fly. What, what I thought was funny about it is, uh, I mean, like at, le- at least, like I said, you know, you know the, this whole concept of. At the end, nobody's happy with what happened. No. And and, and this goes back to, if you think about the, the, the Poppies uh, episode, The Man Who Met Andy Griffith. Mm-hmm. Very similar. It's like, yeah, like, you know, he, yep. he he caught the guy, but then it's like, no, you need to go away because you know, he's the only attraction we have in this uh, in town. <laughs> you know, so it... it so that was, you know, it, that to me is like part of the comedy. Like, I, I actually appreciate the joke that at the end, it's like nobody's happy and everybody. Like, <laughs> right. That, that was, that's funny. You know? Yes. <laughs> that's very married with children. So do you think I'm, I should just go with that then? Because. Yeah, just go with it. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I wouldn't discount your feelings on that because, you know, I mean. I would. This, this is not. I mean, look, you know, if you, if you go back to the, um, the gas station show. Yes. I mean, you know, you guys hit it, you know. I mean, spot on. I mean, there was great setup, great A, B, A story, a great B story, right. good jokes, you know, good ending, like, you know, like the Chicago bowling team. You know, yeah. that, it all works. Mm-hmm. You know, here, you know, I, like I said, it, it, it was, you know, it, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense because there's no continuity at all. Forget about even with other episodes. Within it, it just doesn't make sense. You know, it's a cute theme. It's like, hey, you know, we're going, we're going, um, you know, to, we're going someplace else. I mean, the old sitcoms, everybody go to Hawaii, you know, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, like, like someplace exotic and they go to England, you know, where it's, you know, cold and rainy all the time. You know, but <laughs> right. I, I, you know, uh, they could, again, they could have done a better job. They, they just didn't, right. you know. I'll, I'll, I'll also add this, man, not, not necessarily a smart move to not give it your all um, at the end of the season because that's that that taste is going to be left in people's mouth until the next season premiere. So it's like... Well, at least they knew what to expect then. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. They did set it yeah. up. My bad. They knew what they were doing yeah. all along. Like, if you think this is bad, just wait. Wait till September. <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah, they're setting this bar low. Right. No, on on a lighter note, no pun intended, I really did like the effects of the dead grass and plants and everything when the light hit that part of the town. That looked good. That looked really good. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, I thought it was I thought it was a good effect. You know, like it was cool to see all the dead grass because the you know. We'll give them that one. Yeah. yeah. So, it looks like they just did black and white. Like they right. They flipped, they flipped it to black and white just for that. Footage. Right, and then colored it just tan to make it look like dead. Yeah. Right. Right. This is terrible. We've always prospered as a as a tourist attraction. The town next to the land of darkness. Now we have nothing. What about us? I mean, now you can see, look. We've got no crops. There's no paint on the stores. We're just a couple of little bergs in the middle of nowhere. We can't sell any T-shirts now. We can't even sell the bloody video we made. <laughs> He's ruined everything he has. 
Let's kill him. Why not? Let's kill a whole bloody lot of them. Go! Vacation's over. (laughs) Thank your father, kids. Thanks, Dad. So you get the classic, uh, so all the townspeople chase, like Dan said, the helicopter shot. You see a big overview of the family running away on the, the field and all the town going after them. And Peg goes, thank your father, kids. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Again, National Lampoon's reference. Right. Nice. Uh, I forgot what happened there. No, na- National Lampoon's vacation that was one of their lines so, right you know beverly d'angelo to thank your father kids thanks dad and that's where married children gets it from oh is that where yeah. they get it from yeah absolutely yeah i'm not sure if it was in the original one i think it was the european vacation one okay. I mean, again that's been the theme this whole uh, episode arc well that's crazy yeah because until this episode i thought the only real reference to the uh, griswold vacation movies was of course the you know opening highway shot for the intro to the show in that second shot, it's taken straight from the first vacation movie. So that's, you know, trivia you always heard about. And uh, until just now, I never even knew that. Thank your father, kids. Thanks, Dad, was also from that. So that's pretty cool. Americans coming through. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse us. Americans coming through. Excuse us. Excuse us. Excuse us. Excuse us. Americans coming through. Excuse us. Oh. Hi, you made it. Yeah. So how'd you enjoy London? Oh, it was great, Peggy. We managed to take in a lot of uh, theater. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Someone has switched our luggage and given us many erotic forms of punishment. But... Rather than hold these good people up, we'll be glad to pay the duty. They have to open their bags in the security checkpoint, and they have erotic torture devices in there. That's pretty funny. (laughs) So the guy just says, whatever, just go. Do you have anything to declare? Yes. My husband is an idiot. (laughs) He's an idiot. (laughs) That's great. I love That's that one. That's gold. Yeah. That was good. It really is. <laughs> like, she looks so proud when she was about to say the line, too. She's like, hell yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, coincidentally, the first time I went to London, um, I, I, I I was with a group, and I remember, like, there was, like, some kind of a customs official. It's just, she looked at me, and she says, do you have anything to declare? And I remembered the episode. And I just said, <laughs> I was like, I said, yes. I was like, yes, I'm happy to be here. And she sort of gave me this look, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, she puts on the glove. Turn around, sir. <laughs> yeah. Whoosh, turn around. <laughs> <laughs> okay, smart ass. Let's go. Uh, so it turns out Al is chained to a dungeon wall. Come on, kids. Mom, what happened to Dad? Oh, he got caught stealing a hotel towel. Like you'll ever use it. What do you think they'll do to him? Oh, please. It's a hotel towel. What can they do? What are you in for? Stole an ice tray from the Ritz. <laughs> You? Tile from the Savoy. <laughs> Will they feed you in here? Bread and water. Then it's truly the best vacation I've ever had. 
Was that the dungeon that we used to record that other podcast in? <laughs> I thought it looked familiar. <laughs> There's a little puke left in the corner. Did you notice how they were both laying down and oh, they, like, were? they just had their arms up? Yeah, it was so oh. funny. Like, oh, that's so... That's so funny. They just film them laying down, and so it make it look like they're hanging, hanging on the wall. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. It's like those old uh, Batman episodes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where they're walking up the side of the building, but they're really walking <laughs> exactly. on a toppled building. <laughs> Al hears that there's going to be bread and water served. Freeze frame. Episodes done. When he says this is a great vacation or something like that. I don't know. I do want to give my this one thought before we even get to our ratings for all three episodes, and it's this. The reason I'm upset about, like, the ending where it all just falls apart is because I actually thought this was sort of a good idea. I'm upset that it didn't go anywhere, you know what I mean? Like, it, they had nothing to do, so they just kind of poo-pooed the whole ending. It's like, whatever. And it's like... Um, this three-parter, I kind of liked getting out and traveling somewhere. And when you think right. back, it seems like, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool, though. They were in England and this and different. that. Yeah, it was different. It was nice out of their element. Nice whole thing. A nice long three-parter we could settle into and explore this whole thing. With all that buildup, I really wanted a really cool ending. So right. I'm just kind of bummed that... They just threw it all out the window and just said, no, well, guess what? They could live, too, as long as they beat up Igor. Uh, they, they can? <laughs> really? Uh, right. Where did this come from? And then, huh. oh, no, you know, all these people, yeah, they should be all thrilled that uh, there's light in their village. But no, they're not, you know? No. And it's like, oh, okay. So <laughs> so what's left? Oh, well, there's the big joke here is that they're still going to kill them anyway because they're just uh, they don't like them. Oh. Well, that's, that's funny, I guess. Uh, so what what did I just sit through for 90 minutes? Right. <laughs> or 66 minutes without commercials? Uh, you know, like, that's it. Like, that's the only reason I'm, like, you know, going crazy over here. Because I, I really kind of, like, got into this. And I wanted it to have a nice payoff. But it didn't to me. So, but I get what Luigi, Luigi's saying. Like, the, the humor is that they're still not happy. Yeah, I guess. Yep. But whatever. All right. Well, it's uh, we've been. Re- I think we're about an hour and ten minutes into this show. Um, we're done with the actual review. We're going to get to our ratings. We're going to rate the entire three-parter as one big, you know, episode. But uh, it's still early. So before we get there, Luigi, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been great getting to know you. These three shows, the audience got to know you. I got to know you because me and you went out for drinks last week. For those who don't know, Luigi lives uh, pretty close to me. You know, uh, we actually work across the street from each other. So, uh, which we didn't even know that until um, we started recording these episodes. So, dude, if you will, let's wrap up this whole season six with uh, you telling us how you got into Married with Children. You know, your whole TV show history kind of thingy. And then... Uh, once that's over, we will get into ratings for this big England show three-parter. So, if you will, tell us, how did you get into Married with Children? Well, well, it's it's a very long story, which I'll, I'll try to condense. But just to show you how uh, sick and twisted I am, I started watching the show. There's, there's this great website called timeanddate.com that tells you calculates dates. 
So I was eight years, nine months, and six days old when I started watching the show. Wow. Yeah. So um, I, I was probably watching it a lot sooner than most people should have been watching it. But um, sort of the backstory is, you know, I, I was watching shows. I was a big TV nut when I was a kid. No longer. I mean, I, I rarely watch TV, especially now that I have an eight-year-old and you know who hogs the TV all the time. Right. But you know, I was watching. I was watching like shows like The Honeymooners, All in the Family, The Jefferson Sanford and Son, the role in syndication in the '80s, and you know, then I was watching first-run shows like Family Ties, The Cosby Show, Different Strokes, The A-Team, etc. All the stuff that a kid in the '80s would watch. And you at my house? Huh? Uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so you know. So what happened was, I, I got this TV guide, and I saw this new show on there that they were talking about, and they had this article, and I have to thank Christine and Annabelle for um, finding the original one, because I think when I first joined that Facebook page, I was able to, uh, they showed me that article, and it just got seared in my head. It was like, you know, a show about where father doesn't know best. And, you know, all these shows, they always had these moral anchors to them. It was like, oh, at the end, at the end they would all be hugging each other, and they learned some lesson. And it's like, yeah, and it's like, God, that makes me so sick. You know, again, for, again, for someone who's bare, who wasn't yet nine, I'm like, wow, like, look at this. And I remember watching the Fox premiere, and it ran twice that night. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is hysterical. You know, uh, you know, like he walks down and it's like he's got the, uh, you know, the bandage, on his, bandage hand. on his hand. It's like, you know, it's like I stopped the bleeding with your slip. I'm like, this is hysterical. <laughs> you know, and I, and I had watched comedians like, you know, Roddy Dangerfield and Mel Brooks, you know, you know, the Borscht Belt comics and, you know, guys like Peter Sellers. And, you know, I, I always had this uh, very specific humor. It's, and like I always said, you know, this show has like two levels of comedy. There's a very lowbrow comedy level but there's also a highbrow in the sense that you have to there's certain jokes that they get that you literally have to do some research to find out and as the years went on you started watching it and you know by the time i got to high school i was just married with children that i used to drive my parents crazy because every sunday night i had to watch that show more than even going to church (laughs) so you know i and and as i started talking to people sort of commenting on jokes that had been said the night before by the time I got to high school, then the show had gone into syndication. And by that time, as you started re-watching these episodes, like, you know, it just sort of got seared into your head. And it was fun. I, mean, I remember it was a bunch of guys, um, you know, we would talk about it, you know, early, like on a Monday morning. We'd talk about the Friday episode, and then we'd be talking, I'd say probably by the time I was a junior in high school, uh, the show was in syndication. You know, we'd be talking about things like, it's like, hey, you know, Kelly Bundy cut her hair short. It's like, you know, who do you like, like long hair or short hair? And we'd be spending hours on this, you know, over the course of a week talking about this. And it was just fun. And, you know, what I, what I really say is, you know, the show never really got the props I feel that it deserved because you'd have shows like Roseanne and Seinfeld that came by and they were like, oh, groundbreaking shows, you know. And when you really look at it, a lot of the stuff that they ended up doing came you know married children did first right you know right. and and they never really got the credit for it because i think it was so lowbrow and i think especially a lot of women found the show to be misogynistic right but you know as i was as i was watching the show especially when it was in syndication i'd be seeing like the writing credits it's like wait a minute a woman wrote this <laughs> <laughs> right. stacy lip right. yeah so you know it it so it was just something that really like stuck out with me and uh, i really appreciated it 
one one sh- one movie that I like is called The Producers, and um, oh, eight. You know, it, it's a great film. And you know, when you watch like the the making of, you know, Mel Brooks says this uh, line in there that stuck out with me. He says, you know, there's this concept of what he calls ringing the bell on a joke. A lot of comics, especially in the politically correct world, they won't ring the bell. They'll, they'll set up the joke, and they won't go there. Right. And what I will say is that Levitt and Moye really made sure they rang the bell on the show, mm-hmm. yeah, because they said things you know that no one had ever seen before in broadcast television. You know, I think Jamie, you would appreciate this because, I mean, we're like in the older crowd. I would say when you actually look at the, um, if you remember what was there before, you know, you really appreciate what it is for its time because you know someone who's just started watching the show in the last few years. I mean, they've been inundated with the last thirty years of television. So it, it, it doesn't really hit you as much. But when you go back and you think about what you were watching in 1987, what was on TV, and all of a sudden it's like they're just blowing the doors off of like you know conventional comedy. Right. Oh, exactly. And again, what can be said on television? Then all of a sudden, that's what I think what really made it special, and that's what made it you know uh, stick out to me. Well, that's why I think, and you're absolutely right, and that's why I think it's always important to look at any form of media through the lens of the time in which it was released. And some people don't do that. They refuse to do that. They're like, I, they say, I will only compare it to, you know, what's going on now. Right. And it's not fair to that particular piece of entertainment to do that because if you do that, then you miss out on giving it credit for, like you said, things that for being the groundbreaking show that it was. And you're absolutely right about Roseanne in particular mm. owes a huge debt to Married with Children. Yeah, yeah, and you know, even Seinfeld. You know, like one of the sci- one of the concepts of Seinfeld was that you know the the characters wouldn't develop. They wouldn't they wouldn't have that hugging moment. They wouldn't they wouldn't learn a lesson at the end. Right. No, they were that, hor- they were horrible people. Right, <laughs> and, and, and the thing was is that, and, and it was, and people were like, "Oh, that's groundbreaking!" Because it's, it's the first time on television. I mean, the Bundys were doing that well before uh, Seinfeld started. I mean, there was never really none of them ever grew as characters. Right. You know? No, and so, the final episode proved that. If you right. if you watched the final episode of Seinfeld, it proved they didn't learn a thing. No. <laughs> right. The entire run. Right. right. I'm saying they're all great shows. I mean, not taking away from any of them, but you know, well, what I'm just saying is it's, it's the... It's, what came first. Well, well, Jerry Seinfeld never learned how to act the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I think of, though, when I think of Married with Children and how... Because I still think, like, as we watch it, it's still pretty edgy to this day. Now, it, because of today's culture, do you know what I mean? Like, in reference to how sensitive... I was so say, now it's come, it's come back around. It's kind of come I, full circle. Yeah, I like it even more. But then I think, well, married with children, while they did a specific type, I mean, you got to think like all in the family was before them, right? When was that? The seventies? Yeah, early seventies. So, and even though it's not the exact, that they were still pushing the envelope, so to speak. So, I think that it's a show. It's a generational thing too. Where, you know, growing up, um, for me anyways, I always felt like Married with Children was edgy. And and like I said, even now, it's 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 even better than ever. Right. Right. <laughs> Some may say it's worse, but I think it's better. Right, but you see, like those that like for example, all in the family, like they had a social message. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think the the real difference, you know, again, right. another guy I'm gonna quote from is Jimmy J. J. Walker. 
uh, you know, he did an interview on Dynamite. Uh, that's right. That's Dynamite. right. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Dynamite Jimmy, Jimmy Walker. He did an interview on the um, for the Museum of uh, Television and Radio. Find a clip on YouTube. And, you know, he said, you know, in today's PC world, is that nobody tells jokes anymore. And, and that's really, really what the show, what Married with Children was. It's just, it's a form of entertainment. You just want it to be entertained. Right. You, know, you, you don't want to sit there and it's like, okay, you know, I love you, you love me. Uh, you know, don't, don't break any of the Ten Commandments. You know, be kind to your neighbor. It was none of that. It's like, you know what? I just want to entertain you for 30 minutes and make you forget about everything that's, you know, difficult or wrong. In your yeah, life. just free you from concern and just have a good time for 30 minutes. That's what it did, right? And and that's and that's really what it's been for me. And I like, you know, the, I like that that quote came from J.J. Walker because Good Times to me is an example of a show that had a perfect balance of just flat out funny entertainment. It's really well written. It was very funny, but at the same time, it all it did have a social message, right. but. Because they could be talking about some very depressing themes, right. you know, like living in Cabrini Green, which was um, like this a totally different side of Chicago than mar- than married with children. But right. at the same time, it would be very funny. But they're actually bringing for, you know, in one breath, they would say, you know, walk Thelma to the store so she doesn't get bu- so she doesn't get mugged. And then, you know, they would end up making a joke about it. So I always loved that show because it was very relevant, but it's socially relevant. But at the same time, they didn't they didn't shy away from making it entertaining. And I, that, that always impressed me. Yeah. So that's I mean, that it wasn't basically it was it, it had a social it had social stuff going on, but it wasn't heavy and it wasn't uh, it wasn't depressing when it really could have been. And I like that. Right. Uh, there was um, shoot something else I was going to say it. I forgot what it was. Uh, must have been a lie. OK, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, I will say I was very lucky that I could watch this show because, you know, a lot of parents want to let their kids watch you know, this show. I mean, when I started talking about it again, I'm like nine years old. Um, I mean, luckily, both my parents are immigrants, so English wasn't their strong suit back then. So it's like I pretty much could watch whatever the hell I wanted. <laughs> I didn't even know what they were talking. Did they have about. an English yeah. the English translation? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was no need for it. I mean, I think the funniest thing was my grandmother. My, my grandmother would sometimes be sitting like wa- like watching the TV. She had no idea what they were saying, but the image that in her head, you know, imagine an Italian immigrant, she would see. It's like, you know, he's giving a dollar to the dog. You know? I mean, like, it, just, it just drove her crazy. It's like he's giving money to a dog. And I'm like, oh, God, it's just a joke, you know? That is that's right. so funny and something I never thought of before is what would it look like to someone who didn't understand what they were saying? You right. know, because it's just every, like, every 10 minutes you see Kelly come down the stairs in a short skirt. And you hear all the hooting and hollering. Right. What's the point of this? <laughs> you know, and, and you know, I, I so I speak Italian. I also speak Spanish. Um, uh, you know, at one point I had a Russian girlfriend, and at the time they were uh, uh, they had they had shot the show in Russian. I don't know if you guys have ever come across this. You know, so like because again, this this show has been reshot in a couple of different languages. So I've watched it in Spanish. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, it, it's funny. I mean, but but I will say like. All of the jokes, and again, they try to put their cultural spin on it, but right. I mean, but but ninety percent of it is the script. I mean, right. it's just a translated script, um, you know, with some variation. But it's it's just funny. I, I'll tell you, like they, 
the writers, I mean, again, Levitt and Moy, they're, they're, I mean, I know Levitt's dead now, but they're making a fortune on this because it's just been just sort of sprouted. Right. Mm. I just watched um, a few nights ago the new Dave Chappelle special oh, on Netflix. Oh, my God. I, I have a great deal of respect for him because he has never been afraid to push the envelope. And so many comedians now are shying away from it and they're afraid. And I understand that. I get it. Like I it is a it is a scary time to be in a business where your business is to purposely make fun of things that upset people. Right. And so it's it's not as easy as it used to be to to do that. But the fact that he just not only does he continue to do it, but he calls out the fact that he's continuing to do it. Right. And, and he does it on like he points a finger and shines a light on the fact that, yes, I am being offensive. Right. And he's like, and, and I'm yeah. going to keep being offensive. And the, the thing is, what what I love about that is that it has always been the comedian's job to say the things that no one else will say yep. to to make fun of the things and poke fun at the things that no one else feels comfortable poking fun at because that's how we deal with things you know gallows humor has always been around and it is a, a lot of people use that to cope i've always had a very dark sense of humor and that's how i cope with things right. so it's I, I can appreciate that and I love the fact that he's just like, yep, this is, I'm going to make these jokes. And you have to remember, he's a comedian. That's his job. It doesn't right. mean that he believes everything that comes out of his mouth. Right. You know, it's, it's, but he believes that he needs to say the thing that everyone else is going to be like, what? You know? And, <laughs> yeah. but right. I, I love that. I always respect, I always respect a comedian who is not afraid to be a comedian. Right. And so. The, the show, when it came out, faced a lot, especially like the Terry Ricolta and and her people. Um, but they continued. Did you and ever not track only, her down, Jimmy? No, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be dry. I'm gonna drive by her house. Someday. <laughs> she found her address. Wow, drive by. I actually, yeah. I actually, okay, Freddie, if she's listening out there, I'm not. Um, that is not a terroristic threat. Uh, I did actually look her up though. And I think she might have moved to Florida. But, uh, <laughs> but either that, or maybe she has a, maybe she has a Florida home because people in this area, it's very common for people in this area to winter in Florida. It's a thing. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> the same same where I used uh, to be. Anyway, uh, it's just. But even back then, they in the in the face of. Her, you know the adversity of people like her and their movement to get them off the air. They continue. Not only did they continue, but they just got worse. And but you know better. But <laughs> but I love that. I love it. Um, like the Lenny Bruce's of the world. Mm. One of my one of my all time favorite comedians for that very reason. Yep. So that's one. That's kind of what has always drawn me to the show. Is they've they weren't afraid. Right. I'm not afraid. No. No. But you know what it is. But I think people nowadays that they, everyone, everyone's so sensitive because the thing is, like, you know, you go to see a comedian or you're a comedian, you know, and the comedian may make fun of you. And I've been in plenty of like, you know, comedy oh yeah, so whatnot. 
But, you know, it, there's always like the one person who takes offense, who mm -hmm. doesn't understand that, you know, it's the job of the comedian to be, you know, uh, to be edgy right. and, to poke, and to poke fun at you. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, I'm sorry, we can't do those jokes anymore. Like, you know, right. uh, you know it's like. Yeah, that's what they did to Michael it, Richards. Right, right. <laughs> Look, if you, say, if you say an Italian joke, you know, the, the Italian Anti-Defamation League, you can't say Polish jokes anymore. You can't, right. you know, do gay jokes or whatnot. I mean, it's like, again, not offending anyone. You know, it's not because you try to offend it, but you just try to make a joke. Right. And laugh at it. Totally. We have to be able to laugh at ourselves, though, you know. Um, I remember when I was a kid at Six Flags, there used to be uh, there used to be a Buford the Buzzard, which was uh, it was like a caravan, like a little caravan. And there was a buzzard. He was a puppet and he lived in this caravan and he had this show and you would go and you'd sit like in a semicircle in front of his little caravan and Buford would come out. And the whole point of the show is that he would make fun of people in the audience and he was ruthless and right. it didn't matter if you were a kid like it, it didn't matter if you were a kid grown it if you were in the audience and he and you caught his eye then he would dress you down and it was hilarious but he didn't care like it, it you know he was not trying to be nice he's not trying to save your feelings he if you had the nerve to sit in the front especially you were in trouble and I always loved it. That was always one of my favorite things. And I was like five or six years old and I used to love and go and watch people just get roasted. Yeah. And, and it was, but it was great. It was one of the most popular things there because that's the, yeah, we have to be able to make fun of ourselves. We have to. Yep. Yeah. I really do think Married with Children nails it perfectly too, um, especially for the time. And like I said, now I think it's more relevant than ever. You mentioned Roseanne and they bring those shows back. Do you guys think that if they brought back Married with Children, they'd have to go edgier? Now, obviously they have to adapt to the times and, and make all the jokes relevant in that sense. But do you think that they would have to, to go out of their way, out of their comfort zone, so to speak, to tell a joke today that wouldn't necessarily hit back then? Or do you think that they could use the same jokes and get away with it? I think a lot of jokes that they did tell back then wouldn't fly yeah, today. Yeah, they'd be trimmed You off. think it's the opposite? You think, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. See, that's and, what I was thinking. Um, honestly, it, whenever we've talked about this a lot, about Married with Children coming back and and... And on one hand, it'd be like, yay, I'd love to see them again 30 years later, you know. But then at the same time, it would be very difficult to cut for them to come back and still and still work, I think. I just I'm, I keep trying to picture what it would be like. And I just don't know if it would be the same. And I and I mean, like, do I want to see Kelly the butt of the joke the, of the stupid jokes, you know, you know, at, at 30 years older, you know, is it as funny? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, they've, you know, they went 11 season. I mean, they beat that horse. <laughs> I right. mean, to, to submission. I mean, and, and obviously <laughs> they, they kept getting a little bit, you know, more zanier as, as, as it goes on. I mean, obviously we're at the end of season six. I mean, once you get into season nine, especially 10, 11, I mean, it, everything, it's so farcical. I mean, that's why, like, I know you've asked this question before, Alex. It's like, I'm a Steve, I'm in the Steve camp. You know, I, I like the early, you know, golden years 
Uh, and actually, he and I share the hey, same Hey, thanks place. for having you, Luigi. Nice yeah. to have you on. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I actually, uh, David Garrison and I share the same birthday. So I figure maybe that's one of the, um, uh, maybe one of my draws to him. But you know, I know Jerry would appreciate that when he's listening oh, to he's this. Oh, he's so jealous. <laughs> he's the only one. <laughs> he's the only jealous yeah. guy to hear that news. Now he's going to <laughs> legally change his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> You can change whatever you want now, haven't you heard? <laughs> I think he lives in Australia. Uh, well, yeah, you can identi- self-identify any which way you want. Yeah, right? Right, exactly. Do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, I, well, my birthday is really October 25th, but, you know, I I, I, I I identify as an April 4th birthday. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I identify with somebody with hair. <laughs> So we'll be right back to wrap up this episode with our ratings of all three episodes together. We'll be right back. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Now they're available on the TV Time app. Go to your app store and type in TV Time. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now Dan, Jamie, and Alex are going to give their final thoughts on this week's episode. All right. Time to rate all three of these England shows, this big three-parter. We're going to rate it all as one big episode. So, Dan, how many t-shirts that you're selling at your consignment shop are you giving away <laughs> out of that five I'm giving it away um <laughs> so here's what i'll say about this after all said and done um you know you were just saying before we went to break there about um you know it felt fresh it felt different it felt new um that doesn't necessarily mean it's better or even as good because <laughs> you know if it's broke don't fix it. Um, I think that going out of that element, it, it was fun at times. And I think overall, it, it kind of felt like just like the writers and the cast and everybody involved in the show. I kind of felt on vacation, too, <laughs> in a way. Um, and, and, and literally because it's just, it was so different. Like, and Luigi said about the cameras being different, everything, uh, the, the laugh, the laughing, uh, everything from front to bottom was different. Um, so I enjoyed it on that aspect, uh, in terms of, of just (laughs) ranking these episodes, um, you know, next to ones that we usually do that are really good. This one did not hold up, unfortunately. This was probably... um, I I did like the conclusion um, until we started talking about it on this podcast, and I like it less. Thanks, guys. No, no problem. Um, Yeah. (laughs) No, but but, so here's the thing. When I watched it, I really did enjoy it, but I'm reviewing it as of right now and after the conversation we just had right now. uh, Overall, I give it a uh, a three, a a solid three. I think that 
it was different enough. It, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't divert that far in terms of jokes. Like all the jokes were pretty, pretty um, married with children. Like, so that was, that was cool. That, that felt like home, so to speak in a place far away, but everything else just kind of fell flat. I was so sick of those other characters by the end. Uh, like I said, I did like the quick left turn that they took at the end, but none of it made any sense whatsoever. Like we said, so I still give it a three though. I think it was uh, entertaining to say the least, but right. like I said, not the best uh, episode to, uh, to leave the season. with. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So three out of five, Dan liked it. Uh, okay. How many t-shirts that you're selling at your consignment (laughs) shop are you giving away out of five, Jamie? Okay. I think that of the t-shirts that I'm selling at my consignment shop, I will be giving away. You know what? That that reminds me of that so long. It's like, you know, I'll be taking to the picnic an apple, a banana, a candy bar, (laughs) and... And, and yeah, <laughs> do you know that game? The alphabet yes. game? Okay. Yes. Somebody out there will get it and then it'll be funny to them. But <laughs> no, <I'm not> <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess I'll be giving away. Uh, I'm tempted to kind of go lower, but then I remember that I really did enjoy the first one. Right. And the setup of the whole thing. I thought it was right. great. Yeah, it so is. So I, I will probably do three as well. And it's just that if I think of it in terms as one big episode, right. it started out very strong. The middle wasn't bad. It just didn't do anything. Like nothing happened really story-wise. We just got a lot of locations. So, But it was entertaining in that respect. And then the third, everything just kind of fell apart in the third act. Unfortunately, I can't go higher, but on the strength of the first one, it does at least earn a three, I think. Right. Nice. Hmm. All right, Luigi, how many shirts that you're selling are you giving away out of five (laughs) for the three-parter England episodes? Three shirts. Nice. Same. You know, um, when I picked England... The reason why I picked England was it was something different. Yeah. You know, I'd say, you know, there's plenty of strong shows, you know, in season six. So um, when I looked at the list, I was like, I think I always had a soft spot for the vacation shows, even though like they usually turn out bad. But I'm like, okay, you know, this is something a little different, maybe a different type of humor, like a little bit of that British humor that I like as well. Right. Um, so I, you know, I, I didn't necessarily go into it saying, you know, this is a, you know, a, a five episode, like, right. let's say like uh, as of the, um, uh, the gas station show, but yeah. so I, that, that's why I chose it actually. I'm, and I'm honored that I was able to do it for all three. Um, you know, but it's, it's still, like I said, it, it has its flaws. You know, there's a couple of nice jokes in there, but, um, Definitely, um, I, 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 I don't think I can say anything different than what Dan or Jamie have said. It's like it started out strong, and right. uh, episode two was a lot of exposition, and then finally it was it just petered out. And I remember watching the episode the first time back in 1992, and really like that third episode, like I could just never wrap my head around it. It's like okay, it just doesn't make any sense. Really? Wow. But it was funny. I mean, just I mean, the, sort of that funny part, you know, just seeing Al just being happy at the end, saying. You know, I want to, I'm going to get bread and water. And it's like, oh, this is the best vacation I ever had. Right. <laughs> that's, I mean, and that's that's the joke. And, you know, yeah. um, and if you really look at, at the show in general, I think what always appealed to me was that um, and it was something has been said, you know, numerous times and sometimes on, on these um, 
retrospectives. But uh, Michael Moy said it once where it's like he got a letter from a fan who said, you know, it's like I got a lousy job. You know, it's like I, I make minimum wage and I slave and like, you know, my life is terrible. But every day, you know, every Sunday I come home and I turn on Married with Children and, and I know that Al Bundy had a worse day than me, <laughs> you know. And, 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 and yeah. that's I think that's what the appeal is. It's like I think that's that's the humor of the show. It's like no no matter how bad, you know, you can have again, you know, it's we're not living in, in this um uh, fantasy world where everything is great and, you know, the, the sitcoms, it's like, oh, you know, you're going to have this uh, hug at the end and somebody's going to learn a lesson. It's like, hey, you know, you just, you know, for how bad, like, you know, everyone's got a bad, you know, the average person's got a pretty crappy life and all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> we're going to show you someone who has it even worse. Right. To laugh about it and forget about life for a while. Exactly. You know, that's, that's the joy of the show. And for me as a fan, this is what's been the draw for so long. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm also glad that you picked these shows too, man, to be on because, um, like I said, it's, they're not necessarily the best episodes, but I think that in terms of subject matter, stuff to talk about, all the stuff that we've been talking about, obviously, um, it, it's been a lot of fun as opposed to just, you know, a lot of the times we'll, we'll reference, you know, what was different on, on the set, you know, like, you know, if, if something was out of place or whatever. Not to say that we don't have anything to work with, but with this, we had a whole other set of guidelines, which was fun. It was fun to talk about all these all these different things that factored in to these last three three uh shows so thank you for for coming on with us man it's been awesome yeah. Yeah, thank you yeah you really did uh you did contribute a lot in your uh stay here or your vacation with us whatever you want to call it <laughs> so um yeah i'm i'm also gonna give away three shirts out of the five i'm selling it's weird when i think of these episodes i feel like I like them. It, oh, yeah. It's interesting also. Jerry Cohen directed all these, too. He came out with the rest of them and did the one camera thing. Right. Uh, so that's it's, – I guess it's good that we got him. We saw it through his eyes at least, right? That Well, that's because he was pulling double duties. He was directing and writing to save some money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and Buck wasn't on this uh, really. So he was just in that dog uh, – the doggy hotel. So – I guess that's how he had time to write this third episode. <laughs> and they, they even uh, when, when they go into the um, what happened last week, they mentioned Buck. They're like, for all you Buck fans out there, and they mention him again, almost like this story is going to be concluded. Oh no! Nope. <laughs> so yeah, the first one's definitely the best. The second one, I I really don't remember much from it even i can't you know in a weird way it's like it was just kind of the in-between episode and this one yeah if it falls apart and it's not very climactic it's not very funny like al horribly jousting whatever you want to call what he did it, none of that was there's a lot of times when the bundies were just really treading water like they didn't do much even they, you know they had him at these big landmarks or whatever and yeah, didn't really do anything that was that great and it's funny that al's so excited about bread and water when they were just chowing down in that savoy you know <laughs> right. exactly. with the with the rama right. so, so it's funny he would think the bread and water is the highlight of this right. i wouldn't say disappointing um i would watch these again I would never say this is like any this is not one of the better two or three parters ever 
you know, I'd watch the Vegas one, Dumpwater, Florida, the supermarket one, the maybe the Gold Rush one maybe was um, on par with this, I'd say. But the rest are all better than this. If I was to rank it, I'd say the first one was the best. Uh, I, I guess it would be like one, two, and three, actually, in order of a, of appearance. Mm-hmm. I think this got worse yeah. as it went on, right? Um, but yeah, not terrible. Really not. Just, I don't understand why a lot of the plot fell ap- apart at the end. I don't understand that. And how it wasn't as consequential as it all seemed like it should be. And I don't know. They, they just didn't know how to end this, I think. Agreed. <laughs> so, uh, Luigi, thanks again for coming on for this three-parter. Great having you, man. Great to get to know you on these shows. And, uh, yeah. thanks for all your support. You've been supporting us on Patreon from day one, and it's been, it's gonna be like three years pretty soon, you know? Um, you've always been supportive of the show. You always give great feedback on our group page on Facebook. It's just, you know, great to have people like you a part of this journey that we have about two and a half years left of. So thank you, man. Yeah, man. Um, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to to the next two and a half years, if even just as a listener. Uh, I really appreciate the work you guys do. And, and again, another plug to everyone who's listening out there. Contribute to Patreon. You know, having done this with them now three times there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes a lot of time for an hour and a half or two hours that you listen there's probably double that amount of time that's um spent on producing editing and adding and splicing in uh clips and music and all that so sadly more dude (laughs) yeah i mean if you are you know if you are um if you're listening to this every week, you know, dipping into your pocket, don't buy a Starbucks, you know, one day and, you know, uh, contribute. Hey, you I know? make $4.25 an hour. Yeah. I don't know I mean, about y'all. Yeah, I, mean, they, I mean, you know, they, they cannot uh, live on toaster leavings alone. So yeah. please, please help. Aww, that's so sweet of yes. you. Thank you. Yeah, and I want to say Alex puts in, and it's 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 Alex. So I want to say he puts in like five hours in episode. It, it, it like could that. always vary for some reason, but I would say minimally, I put six hours a week into oh. the show. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot for various reasons. Thanks so much, Luigi. That's so nice of you. I really appreciate it, and I'm so glad you were here. We had a lot of fun. No, yeah, thank you, definitely. thank you. Yeah, and I just want to remind everybody: you're so into Al Bundy and this nudie bar thing and all this. Just so you know, a stripper gets $20 for one song if she gives you a lap dance. $20 for four minutes. To sing it? No, just to, to grind on your lap. And uh, <laughs> so think about that. Four minutes, people are willing to pay 20 bucks for. That's half a day's work for me. <laughs> Maybe you should give people lap dances, Dan. Yeah, we would make more money as la- giving lap dances than we would doing this show. We'll have to change our uh, our group photo with the married children and put me on the stage. <laughs> yeah, we're doing the wrong thing at the nudie bar. We're we're idiots talking and we're broke, and these girls are making twenty dollars in four minutes. <laughs> I can't even wrap my head around this. I think we're definitely at the wrong table here. <laughs> so yeah tune in oh by the way speaking of patreon you have to be uh supporting the show if you want to hear our next episode because we're doing our annual season wrap-up show yes 
So join us. Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Look up Married with Children Podcast. For a small donation, you can hear our Season 6 wrap-up show next week, next Wednesday. For all of you who do not, uh, there will be no show <laughs> next week. So you have to get used to that summer schedule again for a minute. <laughs> yes. um, so yeah, we'll, we'll be there. We'll be breaking down the whole season. We'll give our favorite five episodes, our least favorite three episodes, our favorite moments from various characters. We give... You know, the hottest chicks of the season. We give tons of stuff, tons of fun. It's always a good time. So check that out. So see you in two weeks if you're not on Patreon. Let's rock. (laughs) Let's run around with a football.